2, and that's found on page 533 of the Church Bibles, and will come up on the screen behind me. Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord, and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains, and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance the ends of the earth, your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is God's word. Thanks very much indeed, Christian, for reading for us. Uh, we spend just a few moments uh, together praying now. Uh, I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer as an outline to help us do that. So feel like, uh, someone on the way in said, if this is rubbish tonight, I'm going to the fun fair. <laughs> So if, uh, if I see anybody dipping out for candy floss, I'll know we've dipped into rubbish territory. Uh, have Psalm 2 open in front of you. Uh, what has this ancient poem got to do with our lives today? Let's start the story in 2014, when the showbiz world was rocked uh, by the split, the divorce of Chris Martin, the leading of Coldplay, and the actress Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, they announced it uh, on the internet, and that was it. They called it a conscious uncoupling. Do you, do you remember, remember this? Remember the phrase? The phrase hadn't really been used up until this point, but they called it a conscious uncoupling. Uh, they didn't call it a divorce, they didn't call it a big split, but instead a conscious uncoupling. And it, it, as far as we know, it was very amicable. Uh, they're still speaking, and it's it's all basically good, but we're having a, a conscious uncoupling. Uh, Psalm 2 wants to tell us that we globally and individually have gone through a conscious uncoupling from God and from his ways. Uh, look at verse 3 straight away, and you see this uh, in Psalm 2. Um, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The, the person speaking at this point is referring to God and God's King. Let us break the chains, let us throw off the shackles, let us be unshackled from anything to do with God, anything to do with, with God's ways, except for, unlike Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow, this is not an amicable split. This is not like a mutual decision. It's not like we and God are texting occasionally and meeting up for coffee because we're still friends. This is very much a non-amicable split. 
both in our world and personally. Our, our default settings, if you open your iPhone and you go to the language settings, the default setting is English in this country. It's, it's like if you open your heart, the default setting for all of our hearts as humans is rebel. And we don't often think of ourselves like that, or like to think of ourselves like that, but Psalm 2 wants us and needs us because God's truth revealed to us, he needs us to see that your default setting is rebellion, both personally and globally, we've had a conscious uncoupling from God. The first heading for us to see tonight is this. But we need to see it, we need to have our eyes open to this. We need to see that our world is in rebellion. See our world is in rebellion. We basically don't want a king over us. Verse 1 to 3, why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. We think that we can be good without God. I saw an online article where an atheist writer had written this in response to Psalm 2, in fact. That we can believe in ourselves. We can declare our own autonomy, our own sovereign individual right to make our own decisions, to govern our own lives. We can define freedom as the absence of any restraint, freedom from God and his ways. It perhaps this rings bells for you. Perhaps this is just default setting, how we all would like to live our lives, free from restraint of anything to do with, with God, have our own autonomy over our own lives, be the captain of our own ships. One commentator replied, saying, look, so-called freedom sets us on a terrible path to destruction, borrowing the words of Psalm 2. True freedom they said, is not about being free from restraint, but being set free for living rightly, our best selves in obedience to God. Imagine a car steering wheel, speeding at 31 miles an hour compared to the front street. And there's people around, and, and it's like the steering wheel turning to the driver and saying, I don't need human intervention, thank you very much. I don't need your human hands on me, thank you very much. I want to be free from control. Well, that's laughable, isn't it? It's a laughable scenario where a car steering wheel would say to human hands, I will be free from control. And in the same way, that the, the divine laughs at this idea that humanity would want to be free from control, verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. It's not a belittling kind of laughter. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same sort of chuckle as if a steering wheel were saying, "I don't need human hands controlling." An atheistic, secular worldview. So we don't need God. For making any kind of moral decisions. We don't need God for deciding our own ethical values. We don't need God for human well-being and human 
flourishing. We don't need God for empathy or accountability. We don't need God to shape a better future. This is our world in rebellion, and it seeps into all of culture. We need to have our eyes open to that. Our question should be for that that kind of atheist, no thank you God uh, standpoint, is, well, how's it going? How's that actually turning out? Because we, we see our world in rebellion. I, I see wars and conflicts all over the place, globally, locally. We see injustice. We see, as Soph mentioned, a planet that's not being looked after. We see a, oppression and division. We see countries and governments chasing after power at the expense of the marginalised and the weak. How's it going for you, living unshackled from God and his ways? We need to see our world is in rebellion personally and globally. How's it going? It's not going great. Is there a way back? Is there a way forward? Psalm 2 says, yes there is. Yes, there is, and it comes in two steps. The first step is this, to see Jesus as the king. See Jesus as the king. At this point, the psalm could end, rightly and justly, God could end the psalm here. Human in rebellion, God on the throne, if you don't want me, that's it. Live your own life, you're destined for destruction, like a human a game of, <laughs> like a human, uh, like a steering wheel free of human hands. Do you like the game, guess who? Uh, this is the, the, the game our kids play. You've got all the characters on, you've got one character, like, who is it? And you flip down all the things. Have they got glasses? No. Okay, flip. Have they got orange hair? No, okay, flip. Have they got a beard? No, it's a woman. Okay, <laughs> still be in the mix. Flip. <laughs> and the readers of Psalm 2 originally would be asking themselves the question, well, who, who is this king? Who is this king that, that we're talking Is it David? Is it another messiah kind of king figure after david well look, we can play kind of guess who with it and they would have done as they read on in their bibles as we can now they mentioned zion a place of the promised king this is in verse four and verse nine we get all these little guess who bits and we get uh, we get that the king is going to be from the line of david the, the, the promised king would come from his line we get that the the nations will be given to this king as a rule as inheritance, the New Testament is full of imagery of, of Jesus ruling over the nations, especially as it gets to the New Testament letters. But you get a king who is perfectly exercising God's rule over all people. That's what Jesus models in his life and that what he says and what he does as he reads the Gospels in the Bible. You get a king who the rulers and authorities plot against, as in Psalm 2. As Jesus walked the earth, the rulers and authorities at the time plotted against him, so much so that they sent him to a cross to be crucified. And even that moment of crucifixion grapples with God's sight. And he uses it for our salvation. You get a picture of a king who has an intimate father-son relationship. Is it him? Click. Is it him? Click. Is it him? Click. This ultimate vision of a father-son relationship between God and his chosen king. Is it Jesus? It absolutely yes is Jesus. Have a look at verse uh, 6 uh, through to verse uh, 7. I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I've proclaimed the Lord's decree. He said to me, this is God speaking to the king figure, you are my son. Today I have become your 
Father. So you skip forward in your Bibles to the second half, and you read about the baptism of Jesus in the first chapter of Mark. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and a, a dove descended on him like a dove, and uh, sorry, the Spirit descended on him like a dove, and he heard a voice, the God voice, the divine, speaking, saying, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Quoting and confirming this king figure from Psalm 2. Uh, you can tell that me as a minister, as you embrace, are getting ready for Christmas in July, uh, because my last two sermons have quoted Christmas carols. That's what we like. Uh, but there's a Christmas carol called Joy to the World. True fun fact, it's not a Christmas carol, yeah? Simon knows that. It's, a, it's just a song. <laughs> We've adopted it at Christmas. Anyway, we'll do it. <laughs> but I like it more because of that. Anyway, Joy to the World. We see it at Christmas, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Listen to this description. He rules the world with what? Truth and grace. And makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. And the wonders of his love. This is a good king. When we see Jesus, the good king, the one to be worshipped, we can start on our way back. Look, how does this apply to our lives? There are many king figures in our life. There are many rulers in our lives. There's many influences and authorities in our lives. There are, there are literal governmental rulers. When it looks like the world is ruled by Putin, uh, or Biden, or Sunak, when it looks like the, the world is governed by world superpowers, when it looks personally like our own worlds are influenced by our bosses and the people in our homes or the people on our social media feeds, when we have king figures all over the place on all different kinds of levels, see Jesus the King over all of those. See Jesus the King over all of those. He's a good king. And our our options when we see Jesus as King are twofold. We recognize the King. You and I have two options and no middle ground. We've said this before, we'll say it again. Option one is to rebel. To be rebelled against the King and to build our own kingdoms. And consciously or unconsciously, that is our default setting. And the other option is to embrace him. Embrace him. The verse further down. Where the instruction comes in verse 12 to kiss his son. Jesus, the king, ruler. The kiss is not, we're not on a date with Jesus. But equally, we're not forced to bow or be beheaded. It's not, the, the kissing the son recognizes the rule and embraces the ruler. Does this make sense? We don't casually stroll to Jesus, the king, all right, mate, arm around the shoulder. 
but neither are we whipped to our knees and forced to obey him out of our out of complete off with his head kind of kicking, you know? Kissing the sun in this context would have meant I recognize the rule and that I am subject to it and I will embrace this good rule. And so the, the third and final uh, thing to consider from Psalm 2 is once you recognize Jesus as king, you make Jesus your king. Make Jesus your own personal king. Two responses. Rebellion or embrace. You're either with him or you're against him. But there's no kind of amicable split where we're still texting and meeting for coffee. There's no step back middle ground, but I just see how it pans out. There's no sort of, well, it doesn't really involve me. I'll turn up to church and see what happens. There, there isn't a middle ground. We're either default rebel or we embrace the king. We don't have the excuse just to stand back and say, well, I didn't know. We don't have the option just to go, Jesus won't be that angry at me, but I'm, I can't live his rule. It's not the option any of the Bible gives to us. So I'm for him or against him. If you're against him, verse 12 says that our way will lead to destruction. The worst of the world is the handbrake. Imagine for a moment you are going at 31 miles an hour down the high street, and your hands are on the wheel, and you do let go. And for a while it might seem like the car carries on on its course, straight down the middle. But eventually those wheels are going to wobble. Eventually there'll be turns and there are places that this car is going to go by itself and it's going to cause all kinds of destruction. When the Bible describes humanity headed for destruction, it's like the worst of the world with a handbrake off, with no hands on the wheel, with the divine hands off the steering wheel of our human lives. Go, well, it's going to set its own course, it's going to cause all kinds of devastation. You're either with him or against him. If you're with him, you get to pledge allegiance. Good king who loves you and knows how you design and wants the best out of your life, wants the best for your life, and whose rule we don't just come to out of being scared of him but out of embracing him because we, we, we want to be subject to him. Even if we don't understand all his ways, even if his ways seem so out of kilter with the ways of the world. We get to surrender our own wills and ambitions to the wills of a sovereign Lord. Now, how do we do that? How do we make Jesus our king? Give me something to go on here. Let me take you to the end of Psalm 2. Let me give you something to perhaps go, go home with and put into practice. There's many ways in which we could put Jesus as our king, but let's keep to Psalm 2 and say, what are some of the instructions from the end verses, verse 10 to 12? You see it kind of split up in your... In your Bibles there, we're just going to go here. Well, way number one, uh, which I did put on the slides, but I only thought of it about two minutes ago, was you can speak truth to power. That when you recognize Jesus as king over all the king figures and government rulers in our lives, you can speak truth to power. When you see something happening, 
in our society that is uncoupled from the ways of the sovereign king. You can speak to that. There are MPs you can write to. There are stands you can take to book against the sway of where our culture is going. That's one of the ways in which we can live with Jesus as our king over all the kings and authorities. Here's some other ways. I've got six of these. We'll rattle through them. Uh, first of all, according to verse 10, we can be wise. Uh, Proverb uh, 9 says, The beginning of all wisdom is fear of the Lord. And our wisdom, therefore, is received from him. It starts in some sort of relationship with him. All wisdom is not just, what do you think? Well, I don't know, what do you think? Humans are human. No, we don't have to guess at wisdom anymore. We can have wisdom from God, a God who is the creator of life and wants the best for your life. We can be warned. Again, verse 10, be warned, you rulers of the earth. And let's not get let's not get it twisted. We, we're not just talking about uh, rulers in offices in London and Whitehall. We are you are rulers in your own camps. Your influence is in your own spheres. Your king is in your own domain in some way. Uh, be warned. And we could read that as a scary. Oh, God is warning me because he's a, he's a fearsome and awful, horrible tyrant. But that's not what warning means at all. You ever go past one of these on an electricity pilot? Or you go past a danger sign near a lake? A, a warning sign, a danger sign, a warning sign is not necessarily a, an act of tyranny. It's an act of love. Don't go in the water because you will die. Don't touch the pylon because you'll be electrocuted. Warnings are not always tyranny. They are often love for your best. God wants to care for you well. Number three, be serving. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear. Oh, we can serve the Lord in all kinds of ways. You know, you're serving the Lord by serving each other just by being part of the church. Uh, all kinds of places in the New Testament, let's, you can point to this, you can serve the community. You can serve Jesus by serving your community. You can serve Jesus by serving your brothers and sisters in a local gathering like this. You can serve the Lord in your own spheres. Really, I love that we had this tonight when we heard from Sophie on the front line in her office running her business. You'll always have your own spheres and your own front lines, but you can serve the Lord by living out Christ, living out the kingship of Christ in your own spheres. Number four, be celebrating. Verse 11, celebrate his rule with fear and trembling. We can celebrate because the king, this king wins. That whilst rulers and authorities tried to put him on a cross, he still won over death. We can celebrate him because verse, uh, Psalm 2 doesn't just finish at the start. We can celebrate this king because although we are in human active rebellion, God could rightfully say, well, fair dues, walk, you walk away from me, I'll walk away from you. We can celebrate him because Psalm 2 continues with him still putting a king in place. He didn't have to do that. And yet he chooses to do it because he loves you, he wants to lead you, he wants to guide you, he wants to, he sent himself to the cross for you, willingly, voluntarily. That's worth celebrating. You can celebrate, what's the wording? His rule. You can look for the good in even his most tricky commands. Because you know in there is something for your flourishing and your good. 
for your safety and your guidance. That's worth celebrating. Number five, uh, in verse 12. You can be subject. This is from kiss the son, make him your king. Kiss the ring, as it were. Recognize the rule and embrace the ruler. When you are subject to this king, when you know who's in charge, it puts all other kings and authorities in context. When you know who's in charge, it puts yourself in context. You are not in charge anymore. You don't have to be. What a relief. When he knows who's in charge, you know what you're doing. Because you can embrace his rule for your life and have direction, not just guesswork, but actual direction from the one who made you. The third, uh, sixth, sorry, instruction at the end of Psalm 2 is be in him. Blessed are all those, says the last line of Psalm 2, who take refuge in him. This psalm is going to claim that all kinds of blessing, all kinds of safety, all kinds of refuge is found by being in him. This whole evening sermon series in the psalm is called Refuge in Him. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was a kid, anybody have goldfish here? Anybody keep any kind of fish? Wow, that trend has died. <laughs> when I was a kid, we had two goldfish that were identical. We called them Batman and Robin. One died, we don't know which one. So we called the remaining one Bobby. Now, Imagine for a moment the goldfish, Bobbin, is sat in his goldfish bowl in the water. He's swimming around and having a great time. Everything he needs is in the water. He's got his oxygen, don't know how he does it, magic guru science with gills. He's being fed, he's in his bowl, and as he sits on the uh, table in his bowl, he looks at sofa. He goes, ooh, sofa looks I think I can live a much better life than sofa. And as Bobbin attempts to leave the bowl, make a break for freedom, to unshackle himself from the restraints of goldfish bowl, and lands on sofa, for a few seconds, goldfish may live, but not for long. Freedom from goldfish bowl actually turned out to be no freedom at all. Being in the goldfish bowl brings Bobbin refuge and life and safety and freedom. An attempt to leave it brings death and destruction. Friends, if you are in Christ, if you make God your king, if you put your life in his hands and say, I know freedom looks attractive and comfy like sofa, but I want to be found in you. That is where Psalm 2 says you will find all freedom in him. You will find all refuge and safety in him. You will find all blessing in him. Blessed are those take refuge in him. Friends, our world is in rebellion. We need to recognise that. 
But Jesus is still king. He will come again to rule the nations and the authority. In the meantime, you and I can make him our king and find refuge in him, find blessings in him, and freedom.